message was recorded at River City Church. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So what I wanted to share with you this morning before we come to the table is something that God's laid in my heart concerning the innocence of a child and the innocence of Christ and what that means. And I remember reading a story years ago about a carol service that had come to an abrupt halt because of something a child said. And I wasn't sure if this was true or if it actually happened. So I looked it up and apparently it did happen because this was counted in the Reader's Digest magazine of 1966, that there was a carol service in a church in the Midwest of America, which came to a halt because the little boy who was playing the innkeeper got emotionally carried away in the service. He only had one line, which was, sorry, there's no room at the inn. But when Mary and Joseph turned around to walk away, they looked so sad that the poor lad, he just blurted out, come back, you can have my room. <laughs> Yeah, it's just beautiful. And um, I imagine that night that all the parents there would have just been touched just by the innocence of that little lad. And um, I remember speaking last year about what is it about children and about the wonder they have of life that they never, they have this capacity to be amazed at the simplest things, not to be cynical, no cynical bones in their body, you know. They believe. They don't have unbelief in their lives, you know. And what is it about that? And, and we love that. We love to see the wonder in their faces. That's why we put up decorations and everything at Christmas, because there's something about the wonder they have that we understand that we have lost, that this world has taken from us. I think really the word that best describes them is innocent. They're innocent. There's a phrase in Derry, isn't there? Ah, the innocent wee critter. <laughs> there's an innocence, you see, about them. I wanted to speak about that this morning, about innocence, although I must admit, uh, I could probably speak better about innocence if it was my sixth birthday rather than my 60th birthday. But by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit restores to us our innocence. Now, uh, I've become obviously a little bit more aware of innocence since little, our little granddaughter Ava was born. She can't be here. Well, she might be here by the end of the service. She was up sniffling most of the night apparently. But when she's brought into a room, everybody goes... There's an effect, you see, that a toddler or a little child has on people. It just warms your heart. There's something about So I looked up the word innocence in the dictionary, and here's the definition. Not guilty of a crime or an offense, but it also said not responsible for an event, yet suffering its consequences, uh, which is quite amazing, isn't it? Not responsible, but suffering its consequences. And so one of the things that we... Uh, understand really about innocence is that in fact um, when you're in this world and you're growing up in this world this world tends to steal your innocence it does that I believe that the shepherds when they approached Jesus at night they too would have found themselves in the presence of a, a really profound innocence but the innocence of Jesus was different and I'm going to explain that difference in this way he was a child who never lost his innocence. And to understand what I mean, I'm going to explain innocence in a slightly different way. You think for a moment about all the primary school children who are here today. 
<laughs> All right. Or even if you can imagine a little baby like, like Ava. None of those children are going to be awake tonight worrying about how they're going to make the payments by the end of the month. None of them are going to worry about paying the mortgage, paying the tax bill. None of them are worried about how to reconcile relatives who have fallen out of Christmas. None of them are carrying the weight of, you know, how are they going to sort out their, 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 their family. None of them carry that weight. They sleep soundly at night for one reason. They are absolutely persuaded that the people who love them will take care of all that. They're absolutely persuaded that the one who loves them actually will save them. So they are sort of... Uh, the idea that they have to carry their own life is alien to them. They're innocent of the thought, what do I need to do to save myself, you see? And if you think about that for a moment, they live persuaded that those who love them will save them. Now, from the age of 30, for three years, Jesus lived his life in a very public way before multitudes of people. And there was something about the way he was living and speaking that astonished people. In fact, in equal measure, it seemed to inspire some people and it brought derision from other people. I love what the temple guards said who were sent to arrest him. Do you remember that story? And they made the mistake of stopping to listen to him for a minute before they arrested him. <laughs> and then when they came back without him, all they could say was, nobody has ever spoken like this man. So what I want to say to you this morning is, I believe the reason for that was because the quality that he spoke with was innocence. Even though he was an adult, he was speaking with an innocence, which was absolutely amazing. He was living in such a way that it was obvious to all who heard him that he wasn't trying to save himself. That he was actually believing that he had a father who would actually take care of him and do everything that he needed so you could say he was living with the mindset of a little child. That's the way he lived life, and that's the way he faced death, with the mindset of a little child. In fact, if you remember, he told his disciples, you all, too, need to live like a little child to enter into the reign of heaven. And so he was unashamed to face life like a child, and he was unashamed to face death like a child. Now, most of us this morning, I guess, are carrying one of these. And on these, you will hear millions of voices from all over the world. And I'm going to sum up to you this morning everything they're saying in one sentence. You need to save yourself. And here's what you need to do or know or buy in order to save yourself. Because a world that doesn't know a savior can only teach you how to be your own, how to save yourself. So during the three years of his public ministry, Jesus was challenged again and again to save himself. From the desert to the cross, people said, go on then, go on then. If you are the son of God, turn those stones into bread. Go on then, get down from that cross if you are the son of God. But he refused to be his own savior. He refused to live like an orphan. He refused to live as if he didn't have a father whose life was stronger than death. And this is quite astonishing, even to his disciples. His innocence, in fact, both inspired and frightened his disciples. They thought to themselves, you know, you need to tone it down a bit. You know, you need to really try and be a little bit more careful because you could end up dead. But no matter what they said, he never changed his course. In the words of the prophet Isaiah, 
who wrote this 700 years before he was born. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth to save himself. So I want to leave you with a question this Christmas. Why? Why did the man who could raise others from the dead, why did the man who could do anything, walk on water, why did he not save himself? I believe the answer is Jesus did not save himself because he was innocent enough to believe that the one who loved him would save him. Oh, to be that innocent. And that's the gift of the Holy Spirit, to be that innocent, to believe that you have a father who will save you, that you don't have to try and carry the weight of saving yourself. He didn't save himself because the father he knew was the giver of a life stronger than death. And Jesus came that we too might know such a father. And in knowing him, we too could live a life free from the wit of trying to save yourself. In fact, Jesus said, this is a gift, this knowing the father. This gift is called eternal life. Jesus said that in the garden of Gethsemane. He said, father, this is eternal life, that they might know you and your son whom you've sent. So eternal life is knowing the Father. So it's by the proclamation of this gospel that this knowledge comes of having such a good Father. And the wonderful thing is that he hasn't just left us to save ourselves. He hasn't even left us to believe by ourselves. I think that's so wonderful. For years, people told me, only believe, only believe. And I'm thinking, how? How can I believe? Here's what the Apostle Paul wrote. The Holy Spirit is given that he may persuade our hearts that we are the children of God. Isn't that wonderful? I can't explain to you how that happens, but I know that when the Holy Spirit is present, it doesn't matter what I say. It's not my job to persuade anyone. And if the Holy Spirit is not at work, I can't persuade you even if I stood here for three hours. Isn't that wonderful? It takes the weight off, really, doesn't it? He's the one who witnesses that something is the truth or not. And what that feels like, it just feels that you know in your knower that what is being said is true, that you have a father. Praise God. Jesus came to bring a knowledge of the Father that restored to people what they thought they had lost forever. Their innocence. Why do you think that Jesus attracted all the thieves and murderers and prostitutes? What was it about him that attracted them? I believe that when they were around him, they found again what they thought they had lost their innocence, the childlike belief that it wasn't their job to save themselves. That's what you got from Jesus. And I think when the church gets filled with the spirit of the world, it begins to lose the power to attract thieves, prostitutes, and murderers. Because increasingly all people find there is condemnation and guilt and the fear of death and judgment. But when we allow the spirit to fill us, Jesus' presence is once again experienced in the church as the presence of innocence, the presence of childlike joy, childlike faith, childlike peace. That's not a, something which is uh, casting off responsibility. Quite the opposite. I think to be filled with that strength is to take responsibility for others more because you're less consumed with yourself and saving yourself. I love the story in Luke 7. It records an account of a woman who was described as a notorious sinner in a certain city 
and she makes her way into the last house in that city she'd be found dead in normally, the house of the religious leader, a man called Simon the Pharisee, from whom she only ever got condemnation and judgment and the threat of death. Yet she dared to walk through that religious atmosphere because she knew that somewhere in that house sat Jesus. And if she could get to him again, she would find in his presence innocence. And a love that was persuading her that she too was innocent in his eyes. And she also finds something, something remarkable was happening to her. Because where did she get the courage to go into that house? She found that in her heart being persuaded of his love, she found herself able to forgive the Pharisee who had never found room for her in his life. And that's one of the things that we find in our lives too. Now this might be a shocking statement to hear, but the true sign that the church is being filled again and allowing the Holy Spirit to have his way is that we again become a place that attracts notorious outcasts. Praise God. Because the gospel we proclaim and the Father we proclaim isn't turning people away because of their sin, but inviting them to receive his love, the love of a Father who has never left us to save ourselves. What would this world be like this Christmas if the knowledge of that Father covered the earth as the waters covered the sea? That's the world that Jesus came to usher in. He called it a new creation, born from innocence. And he went like a lamb to the slaughter because through the way he lived and the way he died, he was saying to the world, this is how you can live and die when you know you have such a good Father. You can love your enemies you can love those who are taking your life from you. You can find in yourself such a compassion for them, such an understanding that they're only trying to save themselves that you can even say as they're killing you, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Imagine that sort of love through the world today. Jesus came to show us that when you know such a father, such a giver of eternal life, then you can live all your life in the innocence of a child for such children do not take on themselves the burden of trying to save themselves. You know, Jesus knew that burden would crush people. He knew the burden of trying to make a life for yourself will crush you. Can anybody say amen? <laughs> the whole world is saying to you, come on, do something. Make a life for yourself. Save yourself. And the burden of that is crushing people. No wonder Jesus said, come to me, all those who are burnt out on religion. Come and take my yoke upon you, for I will give you rest. Learn from me, for I'm as gentle and humble as a child. Praise God. That's the effect in our lives of seeing what a good father we have. And that's why we preach this gospel of the good father. Because to see that is to have that weight lifted off your life. And for that weight to be lifted off your life is to put in you a joy and a freedom and an energy that children have. And that's what this world means, needs. It needs to be led by children. Praise God not adults who war against each other. And Jesus came to reveal such a father, a father who never left us to save ourselves for his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension is God, not leaving us to save ourselves. It's so beautiful. Here's how innocent a God we have. He's even more innocent than that little boy in the nativity. Because he was the first one to say, wait, have my room, <laughs> have my life. I come to share it with you. Let my father be your father. Praise God.